Grand Risings, Grand Risings, this is Humble Dame coming to you guys, and happy, happy New Year to you all. I hope that you are spending some wonderful time with family and with friends and are enjoying your holiday season and this break. I know I surely am. Uh, I want to come and talk about releasing bitterness, okay? We're going to be releasing bitterness and resentment and anger, and it happens in layers, okay? So I want you guys to understand that releasing bitterness is extremely important for us to move forward. Sometimes things can happen or we happen, life happens, and it makes us bitter and resentful and angry. And then we can become controlling to try to control outcomes and people. And uh, this is not a productive way to live our lives. We want to let people make their own decisions. We want to be able to allow other people to be great. We want to be great. And I'm going to be releasing more and more bitterness, okay, so that I can be a better woman and a better mother. We're going to listen to Jordan. Peterson. And in order to release bitterness, we have to know what it is. Okay. So we don't want to have a bitter or resentful attitude towards life. And this is exactly what Jordan Peterson is talking about. All right. And let's get better together. One moment, guys. Let's go ahead and get this started for you all. So I don't know what God's doing here exactly, but he's helping ignite the sacrificial flame. And that's kind of an interesting idea, I think, because you know, let's say that you have an impulse to make a sacrifice. You think, well, I should change this about my life. Well, it's like, where does that come from, that impulse? It's just, well, it just manifests itself out of nothing. So, well, or you came up with it. Well, you might want to stop thinking about that, thinking so surely that you come up with your own thoughts. You don't come up with your damn dreams, do you? They just happen. And God only knows where they come from. They come from your brain. Oh boy, that's a sophisticated answer. They come from your unconscious. Well, that's not much better. At least it's somewhat better. But there are those amazing dramas take place in the theater of your imagination at night. You don't even understand what they are. And yet they occur night after night. And those things, dreams, they can contain wisdom. That It just, well, it just staggers the person who has the dream once they get the key to the dream, once they remember it. It's like, oh, look, you just revealed a bunch of wisdom to yourself that you didn't know. Well, where'd that come from? Well, you don't know. How in the world can you dream up things that you don't know? That's a tough one. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point in this lecture series because there are some reasonable things that can be said about that. But, you know, the idea that there's something that's not you. Jung would call it the self. Carl Jung would call it the self, which he thought of the, as the totality of your being across time and space. It's something like that. And that, you know, each second that you exist is a slice of the self manifesting itself across time and space. And he thought of the, the self as partly the voice of conscience, whatever that is, that helps guide you when you have to make a difficult decision. And, and a difficult decision might be, well, what do I need to sacrifice? What is, how do I need to discipline myself, right? What do I need to forego? Well, how do you figure those things out? Well, you know, this picture is trying to put forth the idea that perhaps if you had established the proper relationship with God the Father, and we've talked about what that might mean, then he would help figure out how to get the sacrificial fires burning so that you could stay in a proper relationship with him across time. Well, if that's such an unreasonable proposition, it, what's the alternative proposition? Well, this isn't working out very well, that's for sure. You know, Kate seems to be doing it, I don't know what it is. It's like, it's as if he thinks he can only do it himself, or maybe he wants only to take credit for it, or something like that. He's not in this 
grateful, let's say, and inquiring, grateful and inquiring posture. Because that's what a prayerful posture should be. It should be grateful and inquiring. And grateful is, thank God things aren't worse for me than they are. And you should be grateful about that because they could be a lot worse than they are, man. They can be so bad. And inquiring would be, well, I don't really know how I could make it better, but I'm, I'm open to suggestions, man. If I can figure out how to do it, I'll try it. That's the, that's the humility and the inquiry. That's a humble inquiry. How could I make things better? It's something like that. And that's like, what sacrifices do I need to make in order to make things better? That's a good question to ask yourself. You could ask yourself that every morning. What sacrifice do I have to make to make things better? You can decide what constitutes better. How about that? Then it's not even as if it's being imposed on you. Come up with your own notion of what constitutes better. You know, try to make it sophisticated. It should just be better for you because that isn't going to work very well, right? You're, you're just going to fall downstairs if you do that because you have to live with other people. And besides, it's stupid anyways. What are you going to do? Like, you can't even, there's nothing you can even say about that. It's so... That's, that's, the, that's the attitude of a very badly behaved, hyper-aggressive two-year-old. And I mean that technically. And so you could, you could ask yourself, well, how I have this day that lays itself out in front of me. What thing could I let go of that's impeding my progress that if I let go of would make my life better, my family's life better, my culture's life better, my being better? And then that would give you something to do for the day, wouldn't it? To justify your miserable life. Because you need that. That's the whole point of the first story of Adam and Eve. What do you have? A miserable life. Okay. <laughs> what am I going to do about that? Well, if you just have a miserable life, you're just going to suffer stupidly and get bitter about it. That's what happens to Cain. It's like, well, how about not doing that? Because that seems to just take a bad deal and make it worse. How about... Making a sacrifice and seeing if you can please God and put being on track. God, that'd be something to do. What could be better than that? What could possibly be better than that? Well, that's why it's archetypal, man, because nothing's better than that. That's where it tops out. So, and you can do that. You can do that every day. You have to do it in a little way because, like, what good are you, you know? You're not going to go and bring this socialist utopia into being in one fell swoop. You might also think that, you know, one of the things Kate might figure out here, there's a couple of things that just aren't going right for him. Downwind of the fire, not the right place to blow from. And the fact that he's in, enveloped in haze and smoke and breathing it in and the fire isn't burning might be an indication that he's doing something wrong. Or he could be wiping his eyes and saying, Jesus, what kind of stupid bloody universe would produce smoke like this? It's like, yes, well, that's the more likely outcome. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. Now that's an interesting line because and I've looked at a variety of different translations of this, this seventh verse here, like a bunch of them, because 
the translation for that, that's a critical line, and the translation really matters. And so I'll tell you what I think the story is, what I've been able to figure out. And I'm sure I haven't got it completely right, but it's... So he asks, the, God says to him, if you do well, won't you be accepted? Well, there's a hint there, right? It's something like, well, things aren't going so well for you. So th the first thing you might think is, you're not doing well. Well, does that mean you're not doing good? Does that not mean you're not acting properly? It means it's the hint. Because God is suggesting that if you were doing properly, you would be successful. I had a friend at one point who was a very bitter person. And he had a bunch of problems. And some of them were self-inflicted and some of them were fate, I suppose. And he had... His, he had become very, very destructive, murderously destructive, genocidally destructive, I would say. You could see it in his dreams, and, and he lived with me for a while. And uh, I knew him very well. He was a friend of mine from the time I was 12 until the time he committed suicide when he was about 40. And uh, when he lived with me, I was trying to help him get on his feet, which was why he had come to live with me, because he thought maybe I could help him get on his feet. And he could only take relatively low-level jobs, you know, like he had some mechanical ability. He didn't, he didn't get educated, although he's a very, very smart person. He probably had an IQ of about 135 or something like that. He was very smart, and so he was bitter, too, because he hadn't educated himself to the level that his, edu you know, his intellect would have demanded. So he had to take jobs that were beneath him intellectually, and he had, a he had that real intellectual arrogance, you know, because he was smart, and really smart people often come to believe that only smart matters, and if they're smart and all that and all that matters is smart and then the world isn't sort of laying itself at their feet, then they've been terribly betrayed. And and then they cling to their intelligence, which is more like a talent or a gift, like it's a like it's an idol, you know, a false idol, which is exactly what it is, and a very dangerous one, and get cynical about the stupidity of the world and the fact that their talents weren't properly recognized. And that's just not that helpful, you know, because smart is a good thing, but I'll tell you, if you don't use it properly, it will devour you, just like all arbitrarily assigned talents, right? So you might have a talent, but it's your friend if you use it properly and if you misuse it, it will be your enemy. And maybe that's how God keeps the cosmic scales adjusted. But anyhow, my friend was a very smart person, although not as smart as he thought he was, unfortunately. And, and But he hadn't done what would have been necessary with that intelligence to make it manifest itself properly in the world. And that also embittered him because he also knew that there was more that he could have done if he would have done it, and perhaps more that he could still do. What I was suggesting to him while he was living with us, because he was, you know, two levels from homeless by that point, was that he should find a job that he could find working in a, in a garage, working in a shop, something like that, because he had some mechanical ability, and that he should he should separate himself from the arrogance that made him presume that such a job would be beneath him. Because at that point, no job was beneath him. And, but more importantly, it's not so obvious that jobs are beneath people. You know, because even if you're a... Even if, imagine you have a job as a, a checkout person in a, in a grocery store. You know, it's a fairly unskilled job. You can be some miserable, resentful, horrid bastard doing that job, boy. You know, you can come in there just exuding resentment, bitterness, and making mistakes, and 
making sure that every customer that passes by you has a slightly worse day than they need to, right? And, and you know, pilfering time and perhaps pilfering goods and being resentful about the people who, who gave you the position because they're above you in the dominance hierarchy and talking, you know, bad things, gossiping behind the back of your co-workers. It's like you can take your menial position, self-described, and turn that into a very nice little slice of hell. All right, I hope that you guys enjoyed that, okay? We're going to be releasing bitterness. That was by Jordan Peterson, okay? And it says, the bitter and resentful attitude towards life. And that was coming from Bite-Sized YouTube channel. I hope that you enjoyed that. We're going to be delving and, and diving more into this subject here, especially since it's the beginning of the year. We want to not only shed some pounds. I know I'm definitely trying to shed some, okay? <laughs> Everybody has put on that 20 or 30, that COVID 20 or 30. Um, It's okay. Love yourself. Um. Be happy that you're still here. You still have life. I'm glad that you're here. I hope that you're glad that I'm still here and we can work towards crushing our daily goals. Um, even if it's just I'm going to release bitterness a little bit more today. Right. I'm going to release resentment and animosity because those things weigh you down. Just like uh, having some wonderful, uh, uh, a huge tushy or, you know, fat around your midsection, which I know that I do right now, right? Um, having bitterness and a resentful attitude makes you kind of mentally obese. And we want to shed those pounds and we want to be nice and slender with peace. We want to be nice and slim with uh, gratitude and gratefulness, right? And we want to actually push people forward to be the best possible versions of themselves that they can be. Um, I hope that you enjoyed that. I know it was some, um, no pun intended, some bitter truths in there. It was some hard pills for me to swallow, okay? But I want to make sure when we go around, and definitely when I go around people, I want them to have a wonderful fragrance and a nice taste in their mouth, not from bitterness or resentment. So let's release those things. It takes time. If you need therapy, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I was in therapy for approximately um, 15 or 16 years. Um, seek therapy. Get a counselor. Uh, get a trusted friend or speak to your spouse or whoever is close in your life. Um, if you're not fortunate enough to have that right now, do not feel down. It's okay. Maybe get you a journal. Start uh, journaling. Uh, start a diary. Find a creative hobby that allows you to get out the bitterness and resentment. Maybe painting will help. Um, I know definitely for me right now, uh, weight training has been helping and writing. Okay. So we're all trying to get better. I hope that you guys have set a good New Year's resolution. Myself personally, I'm working on focusing on daily goals. This is Humble Dane. You guys have a wonderful, serene Saturday. And let's release this bitterness and this resentment. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.